If you are here tonight and didn't have the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper this morning, you can go now to the little chapel and you'll be served at this time. I think the batteries are low on this.
one minute or so. We'll see how y'all do on these. What are we about the creation? This is what? Those great examples, this is well. What are we about the flood? This is the sixth or seventh. Excellent. What are we about Sodom and Gomorrah? This is the seventh. Excellent. Joseph sold by his brothers. Say it. With confidence. battery's about dead, but I'll go ahead and uh, do this. We are glad that all of you are here tonight. It's a beautiful day outside. We are, are blessed again to have visitors, guests. Thank you for coming, and we hope that uh, you'll want to come back and be with us anytime that you have an opportunity. I do have a couple of updates that I need to make as far as announcements go. Uh, let's do remember the uh, family of Stella Pittman. Uh, visitation is going to continue tonight after services until 9 o'clock. The funeral is going to be here at the building uh, tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock with another period of visitation beginning at 11. In conjunction with that, we are going to be providing a meal uh, for the Pittman family. And uh, ladies or whoever, if you would like to help bring some food, there's a list back there in the foyer that you can sign and uh, it would be much appreciated if you would uh, try to sign that so that we can see how much food we have and so forth. So please take care of that tonight, if at all possible. I also have this card I want to read to you tonight. It says, thank you so much for all your calls, prayers, food, and love shown to me during my COVID illness. It means so much to have a loving church family that's always here. Uh, for us, and I appreciate each one of you so much. It's signed in love from Pat Gray. And uh, so we want to continue to remember her in our prayers. There's also others that are sick that we need to take note of. And so I hope you'll look at the bulletin and uh, let's continue to encourage those around us. Uh, let's have a prayer now and uh, we'll sing a song as we go to class. Bow with me. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for all that you do for us. We are mindful of the many blessings that you give us each day. 
And we're so thankful, especially for those spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray at this time for many that we know that are sick, uh, those that have had surgeries, uh, those who are undergoing treatments of various kinds. We pray for those who uh, are dealing with the loss of loved ones. In particular, we, we are mindful of the Pittman family uh, in their loss, and we pray that you would uh, be with this family as they go through uh, the activities of tomorrow, through the funeral and so forth. Please bless them and strengthen them. Father, bless us in our Bible study tonight. May we listen attentively and apply what we learn to our lives. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's sing uh, our theme song again, all right? Because y'all as the teachers go to class. We're reaching forward to serve our Father. We're reaching forward to serve our God. We're reaching forward to spread the gospel. We're reaching forward to share His love. told me before we started here, he said there were a lot of people from here over there at that funeral home at four o'clock. And that just makes me so happy. Rally around those who are suffering. Yeah. Isn't that what we do? And so your presence there at that funeral home, I'm sure they'll never be able to tell you how much they just really appreciate you loving them that way. Just showing up and being kind like that. And as was announced, there's a sheet. Already got a bunch of names on it, but we're wanting to provide meal for the family tomorrow. That'll be around four o'clock, the meal at the annex, cause they're going following the service to a graveside uh, committal. So if you can help with that, that would be terrific too. But in order to plan for it, got to sign up for things. So if you'll take care of that tonight as you're leaving, that would be terrific. We have an extraordinary list of sick people, so I'm going to get to it right now, but I want to remind you that I'm going to go through the list, and then when I finish, if you have somebody you want to add, we'll add them, and then we'll pray about them and begin our class. Irene Baker uh, has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz is undergoing a long series of treatments. Is Wilda here tonight? Well, Wilda's... Oh, there she is. Can you see me? Can you see me okay? Sort of. Sort of. So it's not completely cleared up yet. But we're praying that her eyesight's going to clear itself up. Uh, Don and Brenda Dawson are both not well. Wade Davis has been missing since June 22nd. So that's over eight months now. Uh, Carolyn Wilcutt, recovering. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Kelby Smith has Parkinson's, and he just catches uh, viruses and stuff that come along. Cody McGee's recovering from his foot surgery. Chopper's still not himself, but he's hoping this new set of doctors 
are going to help him. Uh, Larry Kennedy has lymphoma. Uh, also had some complications with some medications, so we're hoping that works out. Danny Ramdahl has kidney failure. Uh, Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Lex Crossan has several health issues. Norma, who is Joan and Martha's sister, is not well. Uh, Marty Woodruff has cancer. Eli Johnson's undergoing treatments for cancer. Ethan Kendrick's friend Justin has cancer. James Goddard has cancer. Micah McBrayer has cancer. He's gone home but is having to make trips to St. Jude. John Roten's been having some health problems and Peggy fell recently and injured herself. Jackie Lambert, who is Dale's sister, is recovering from surgery. Anne Langford, who's Lisa Peake's friend, has arthritis. It's causing a lot severe pain in her legs. Emma Hutton has Hodgkin lymphoma. Paula Nichols has stage four cancer. Sharon Strickland has cancer. Grayson Miller has cancer. Jackie Perigo has back problems. Olivia Pounders is experiencing seizures. Only 20-something. Scotty Ennis, who is Laurie's cousin, has leukemia. A tor I didn't see him, but Tori was here today, I understand. Is he there? He Good to see you. Boy, we've been praying hard for you. So it's an encouragement for us to see you here. Um, but keep remembering him as he makes a full recovery, we pray. Lisa Allen's brother-in-law, Paul Goldman, is undergoing tests for a mass on the hip. Kathy Huff has lung cancer. Pat Moore has breast cancer. Pat Gray was here today. I, I was sitting there, but saw her walk in. So we're going to thank God that she's recovered and doing better. Anita has a cousin, Trudy, that's undergoing some tests. Uh, the Taylors have grandson, Baylor, seeing a rheumatologist on the 7th. My little grandbaby's having her tubes in her ears next month. Uh, in, well, April. Teresa Burcham has pancreatic cancer. Laura Galloway's pregnant, if you didn't know. And we're praying for a successful pregnancy for her. Uh, Loxley Eaton had brain tumor removed. Um, doing okay. Going to be making trips to St. Jude for a few weeks. Uh, Madison, God sees on bed rest. Um, she's supposed to have the baby Tuesday, the second. Thursday, the second. Whichever, whenever the second is. <laughs> okay. So we pray a successful delivery there. Sonia McWright is a co worker of Anita. She's in the hospital. Carol, Carol Warner uh, has had uh, polyps biopsy. Any. No news? Okay, so far. We're not begging trouble. Uh, Reba Hughes, anybody have an update? Was she here today? I didn't see her. Okay, she's, she has COVID. Emsley Murphy has a cyst next to the brain going to Le Bonner on Friday. Uh, Denise Martin's mother fell, broke her back. She had surgery. She's doing fine following her surgery and really is appreciative for your prayers. Barbara Beard's been dealing with some back pain. Allison Hogan, who is Demar Elam, if you know him, um, that's his daughter. But it's also my son-in-law, his brother-in-law, that's his mother. Got that? I'm not going to write it down for you. It's, it's up there if you want to read that. Allison Wade Perigo had her lung transplant. Uh, the tubes have been removed. She's breathing on her own, and we're very grateful for that. Linda Garrett had her procedure at Vanderbilt. No cancer was found in her lymph nodes. She is going to, uh, just basically as a precaution, going to be having some radiation treatments, but they are very pleased with the outcome. Mike and Brenda Hinton, uh, they had a son to die suddenly, and Brenda also has, state, um, has Alzheimer's. Okay, so uh, you know all about the Pittmans, but again, I just want to reiterate, please sign up on that list out there. And if you can make it, you didn't go earlier, if you can make it by the funeral home after services, just drop in and, and let them know you're thinking of them. 
Luke Stovall is, is a newborn baby, uh, actually the son of one of Anthony Acock's. Uh, it's, this baby's going to be having some heart surgery on Monday, so please remember the Stovall family in your prayers. Okay, anybody else? Wow, okay, so I've covered everybody that's sick in the whole world. Seems like it, kind of, doesn't it? Oh no, Jim. Martha Halls, Murray, Kentucky, and a brain Alls, A L L S, or just A L L? Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, yes. What's her last name? Um, Elizabeth, Marty, and Donna. Marty's already on the list. Sorry to hear that. I just... So many people are being diagnosed with cancer. All right, let's have our prayer, and uh, I, I think some of our travelers are back. Is everybody back? No. No. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll pray for them too. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for safe travel for some who've returned, and we pray the, the rest of the group that's making their way back home, you'll keep them safe in their travels. We Pray, Father, for those people who are sick and such a long list of people. A lot of them are dealing with cancer. We're, we're praying for their recovery, if it's your will. Please be with Irene Baker, who has terminal cancer. Be with Austin Wentz, who's undergoing lots of treatments. For Wilda Gardner, we pray, Lord, that her eyesight's going to get better. And whatever, whatever needs to be done, whether it's just waiting or some kind of intervention, we pray that that will be prescribed and that it will hasten her recovery. We pray for Don and Brenda Dawson, who are not well. Uh, bless the Davis family, who are still uh, without Wade. We pray for Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. Bless Bobby Petty in his battle with cancer. We pray for Kelby Smith, that he'll have good days. We ask your blessings on Cody McGee as he recovers from his foot surgery. Bless Chopper Taylor that he will have good days and that his suffering can be reduced. Bless Larry Kennedy, who has a lot of complications from illnesses. We pray his medication will get straightened out. Pray for Danny Ramdahl that he'll be able to function in his role as missionary. Bless Van Roberts, who has cancer. Paul Rollison, who has cancer. Bless Lex Crossan, who has a lot of health problems. We pray for Norma, that she'll have good days. Pray for Marty Woodruff, who has cancer. Pray for Eli Johnson in the treatments he's enduring. We ask your blessings on Ethan's friend, Justin, that his treatments will be successful. Be with James Goddard, who has cancer. Be with the McBrayer family as they seek treatments for Micah. Pray for John Roten that he'll have good days and bless Peggy in her recovery. Pray for Jackie Lambert that she can recover fully and well from her surgery. Be with Ann Langford as she's dealing with pain in her legs. I ask your blessings on Emma Hutton who's battling cancer, Paula Nichols who's battling cancer, Sharon Strickland and Grayson Miller who have cancer. We pray for Jackie Perigo who's dealing with back issues, Olivia Pounders who's having seizures, Scotty Ennis who has cancer. We're thankful that Tori's doing better. We pray that he'll have a full recovery and 
whatever deficits he's experiencing now, we pray that that'll be resolved. And we're just thankful, Lord, that he's doing so much better. We pray for Lisa Allen's brother-in-law who's undergoing tests. We pray for Kathy Huff, who has lung cancer. Bless Pat Moore, who has breast cancer. We're thankful that Pat Gray was able to be here today, and thank you for her recovery. Bless Judy, or Trudy Peth, Pethel, who's undergoing tests. We pray for Chopper's grandson, Baylor, who's seeing a rheumatologist soon. Uh, bless Avery, that she'll not have infections, anticipating her surgery. Pray for Teresa Burcham, who has cancer. Bless Laura Galloway in her pregnancy, that both she and the baby will grow, do well, and that uh, they'll just get stronger every day. We look forward to that baby coming. Pray for Loxley Eaton, who's undergoing, undergoing some treatment for a brain tumor. We pray for Madison as she's on bed rest until her delivery later this week. Please be with Sonia McWright and her recovery. Bless Carol Warner. Bless Reba Hughes, who's been sick with COVID. Be with Emsley Murphy, who has a very serious cyst. We pray for Denise's mother in her recovery, that she'll do well. Bless Barbara Beard, that her back will get better. We pray for Allison Hogan, who's been very sick in critical condition and who's just kind of on a roller coaster ride of complications. We pray that her health will return to her. Bless Allison Wade in her recovery from the lung transplant. We're thankful that she was able to get that. We pray for Linda Garrett in her recovery, that it will be full and that her treatments will have been warranted and she can enjoy good health. Please be with Mike and Brenda Hinton as they've experienced a sudden loss and also be with Brenda as she has Alzheimer's. We pray for the Pittman family and their comfort and help us, Lord, to be good comforters and just encourage them tonight and for tomorrow. And we pray that we can rally around them, offer the support they need. We pray for Luke Stovall who's having surgery tomorrow. Pray it's a success and that that little baby will grow and be strong. We pray for Martha Alls, who's had this brain aneurysm today. And we pray that she can respond to treatments and, and do okay. And be with Donna Woodruff, whose husband was already sick and now she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. We just pray that your, your comfort and we pray healing for this family as they're undergoing uh, unexpected illness. Uh, Lord, bless us as we talk about leadership again and as we look at these qualifications that you've laid out. Help us to take these things seriously and to, and to understand and then to seek out among us men who fit these qualifications and who can serve as leaders in this church. We thank you for the men that we have and for the men who've gone before them, who've brought us to this place right here. We just pray that we can continue that trend into the future. Thank you for the blessing of being a part of this family, especially. And help me, Lord, to direct our thoughts in the way that you would want it to go and uh, help us to accept what we find to be is true. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Marilyn saw Will Tennyson's mother, and she was just expressing her thanks. And we pray, we've prayed for him for the whole time I've been here. I mean, I think that started when I arrived. So, But very, very thankful his tests have resulted in good reports. Okay, so, you know, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, 
not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Wow, there's one maybe, I don't know, as you look at the list, you think, where did that come from? But as we've already talked about in terms of a leader's position relative to money, it isn't just money that is a lure, any material thing. And covetousness is uh, one of the biggies. In fact, we're, we're going to discover God has some very serious very serious thoughts about covetousness itself. I, I thought we would start by just basically defining what covetousness is. It is wanting something without regard to the rights of another person. That's covetousness. I want it. I don't have a right to it. It's yours. But I want it anyway. I think it's interesting in the New Testament... This text, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Rick, you jumping on that or? Okay. I don't know. It's, it's a simple one. This actually, Scripture tries to define for us in the New Testament what it is. Colossians 3 verse 5. Yeah. says that covetousness is idolatry. Idolatry. How is something that I want that's yours that you have a right to that I can't get to is idolatry? Do you see the jump there? If you worship an idol, how, how devoted are you? I'd say if you're, if you're worshiping an, a dumb old idol, you're pretty devoted to it because you already know it can't do anything for you, so you're pretty committed. And the idea of covetousness then is that I want that so badly, but I can't have it. Since I don't have a right to it and you're the only one who has the right to it, I am willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Now, I want to remind you of a story in Scripture. It's actually from 1 Kings chapter 21. It is the story of a man by the name of Ahab. Was he a good or a bad king? Bad, really bad. Had a famous wife, Jezebel. Uh, Ahab and... Na what did you call him? It's Naboth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If I can misspell, you can mispronounce. Peace. <laughs> okay. So Naboth had a vineyard. Okay. So here's what, here's what Ahab is this spoiled king. And he says, oh, I just, I just love Naboth's vineyard. It is so amazing. And it's just convenient. It's right here. And I, Naboth, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to either buy this vineyard from you or I will trade you a vineyard that is way better than this one. Now, this is the king, of course. And so, you know the story. Naboth said, no. So Ahab goes home and he sulks and he cries like a pouty little baby. And his wife Jezebel says, Oh, you poor thing. I'm going to get that vineyard for you. 
And so she sets up this deal where, oh, Naboth, we just, we love you so much. You're such a great person in this kingdom. How about you come over to our little feast party we're having? And then she hires two unscrupulous individuals who sit beside him and they concoct this story about how Naboth has blasphemed God and what happens, you reckon? They, they take his life. That's the penalty for blasphemy. In fact, we had two witnesses that could back it up. So Naboth, and guess who got the vineyard? That's Ahab. That's what Ahab was willing to allow, anyway, agree to, in order to get that vineyard. I want that so badly, but I have no right to it. I want it bad enough, I would even kill to take possession of it. Here's another thing. I mentioned that is pretty serious. Do you know what the 10th commandment is? Like there are 10 commandments uh, in the Old Testament. You know what the 10th commandment is? You shall not covet. But then he goes this far. He says, don't you covet a man's wife? Don't you covet his house? Don't you covet his field? Don't you covet his men servants? Don't you covet his um, women servants? Don't you covet his ox? Don't you covet his donkey? Or anything else that he has? Why not? It's not yours. And here's, here's the interesting thing. He's already said don't commit adultery. Now the first thing out of the box with regard to covetousness is he brings out the man's wife. The very first thing. Why do you even have to say that? Because this was going to be a step beyond just simply committing adultery with the woman, right? In order to get that which is not rightfully yours, in order to take possession of that, what do you have to do? You know of anybody who actually broke this commandment? David did, didn't he? I can't have her and I'm going to get caught for having fathered a child. And so you know what? To spare us all the trouble, I'll just have this man killed. That is just how far someone will go. So if you find yourself just kind of stewing over something that somebody else has, just take your hand like this and slap yourself on the side of the face. Be both sides. Why not? Why not? Both sides. Do not covet what other people have. It's not yours. It's theirs. You have no right to it. Now, why do you think that in the midst of all of these qualifications for a, a leader in the Lord's church, that covetousness is mentioned here in this series? Will this cause problems? Absolutely right. And, and it may be, it may be, peace. You would not stoop to killing anybody. But the point is, you will do whatever it takes to get it. You'll ruin them in some way, okay? You're a leader in the Lord's church. You are, you are in a position of authority. Imagine this, for instance, since you have this position of authority over others, you are an elder over a predominantly Jewish congregation of people. In order for them to have become Christians, they forsook Judaism in order to now serve Christ. Now, what kind of sway do you have if you could make a false accusation about them that might cause them to, I don't know, be disfellowshipped from the church? What have you done to them now? Who do they have? They forsook Judaism. That was a, that was a painful ordeal to start with. Now they don't have the church either. They don't have anybody. Maybe their business is ruined. Their family connections are severed. They're in a dire strait. You are in a position of authority and power over people within the congregation. You're supposed to be looking out for their welfare. But instead, what have you done? You have desired something that was not yours to have. Uh, not only that, 
Elders do what among the congregation? Hello, hello. Is anybody out here? Okay, they, they, they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So if I'm going to have to give an account for your soul, that means that I'm going to be doing what with you? Staying in touch, making visits, going around, seeing what you got in your stuff. If I thought that one of my elders is shopping every time they come over to my house, is that going to be a good situation? No, shake your head this way. No, of course not. So, covetousness. And I just thought it was pretty interesting. Of all the things that he mentions, this is one of them that God set out in his Ten Commandments as being serious enough that it isn't to be overlooked. So, not covetous. And one who rules his own house well, having his children in all submission, in submission with all reverence. For if a man doesn't know how to take care of his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? Okay, let's, let's break this down into its little pieces, okay? So, one who... One who rules his own house, well, having his children in all subjection and reverence. For if a man doesn't know how to rule or take care of his own house, how will he, and then this, take care of the church of God? Okay, I'm going to lay down some things. Did you get some batteries? <laughs> okay, I'm going to lay down some things here uh, first, and then we'll, we'll look at them. So you can start maybe looking up some of these. Uh, one text we want to look at is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse Three. And I want to tell you that the word that's translated rules right here is pr probably not the best English translation for this word. Uh, rules over there in Hebrews 13, 7 and also verse 17, pr pretty good. Here, the idea really is to preside. Another word is to govern. And I thought, I thought this was an interesting word because I didn't even know that it was a word. I know, like with Larry, there's, there's such a thing as a superintendent. You know what a superintendent does? Just pretend like you do. Yeah, they, they have authority right over school district. But the idea is to superintend. I thought there was just superintendent. But a superintendent actually superintends. Okay? So let's just put that... And it's one word, but I'm going to break it down because I don't have space. Superintend. Okay. Um, as regards house, that word house there is a short form of saying household. And I want to mention that because a house or a household, even though he, he specifically pulls out an illustration using the children, Actually, a household would also involve the wife and any servants that might be a part of the household that this man does what? He presides over, he governs, he superintends, okay? So that, that little domicile uh, that he is responsible for, that's what house or household means, Okay, with children, we're also going to include, and we're not, we're not in the text yet, but I'm just going to go ahead and use it because it overlaps. Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. In that text, he says that the children, he has faithful, faithful children that are not accused of dissipation or insubordination. Okay? And... Then these two words here in, in our text, the idea of subjection or submission is the idea of obedience, obey. And then reverence is another word for respect. Okay? 
And then that it's actually in parentheses because he's, he's making a comparison. He says, look, we know that this guy would be capable of taking care or ruling the church because we see him in this setting doing the same thing. And so if we can, if we can ascertain how he is in this area, we ought to have a good idea of how he would do in the church. Now, I'm going to look at, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. You say, what? Isn't that the story of the Good Samaritan? It is. This is going to be kind of fun, I think. Okay, so give us 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 3 to start with. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Is, uh, is, a, is a ruler one who lords it over the church? My way or the highway, church? You do not say or else. If you mess with me, I'm going to put your name in the bulletin. Okay, not going to be self-willed, not dominant, not trying to beat people up. Again, one emphasis that we placed here about being an elder is that an elder, instead of dominating over people, what does he do? It starts with an S. Has an Irv in it. Serves, right. An elder serves the congregation, serves the flock. Who does he do it for? For the Lord, because those people are his what? Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Did you hear that? So they are entrusted to you by the Lord. And so as you lead them, you're trying to set an example, right? You're not pushing and prodding and beating them up. You're trying to lead them. You're trying to demonstrate through your godly life what kind of people they are to be. That's the kind of ruling, the kind of presiding that we're doing the kind of governing that's taking place, the kind of superintending, the sense of authority, watching over this. We're doing it out of love and out of responsibility to the Lord's flock, okay? Now, the household, as I mentioned before, is being used as kind of like a, a small example of how it is that this man might be able to, to do these things, right? That's kind of his little flock right there. Now, his wife is going to be in submission. Uh, when you read scriptures about servants in the home, servants to a master, what are they supposed to do? Submit to their master, right? As is in the Lord. The children are supposed to do what to their parents? They're supposed to obey their parents. So the father is supposed to demonstrate in his home the ability that he has to govern that home. And the most obvious thing that we could point to is his ability to lead them without them talking back or creating a revolt or becoming rebellious. He even uses several words here. He says that, uh, you know, we want to look at the children, for instance, because children are, children, they're young, right? And they... They sometimes kick against authority. So let's take a look and see if they're in subjection or in submission. Let's see if they reverence or respect their father. If they don't respect their father, probably indicative not of a loving kind of rule or leadership, but actually what? Maybe not so loving. Maybe that child is kicking back because they're not treated right. Because a father is supposed to train up his children in the way that they're supposed to go, but not to create a situation where they become disheartened in that relationship, okay? Now, children here is also interesting because he talks about children as an example in the household here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But in Titus chapter 1, well, if you go to the previous thing, he talks about the man being the husband of one wife. Then he simply says that he has faithful children not accused of dissipation or, or insubordination. And the idea there is that he wasn't using them as an example like Timothy was to demonstrate like their, 
leadership ability. He's actually laying that one out as a qualification. Here, you know, I, I told Timothy that these are kind of the, the stipulations in the home, but I just want to reiterate, Titus, that that guy's got to have children, okay? He's going to be a husband of one wife. He's going to have children, but not just any kind of children. These children are faithful children. Now, I'm not going to say all scholars because you'll never find a complete consensus. But almost all scholars, scholars that otherwise you would trust in their opinion about biblical matters, almost all of them take the position that faithful here, which is translated from the word you would expect, pistis, that word actually talks about the faithfulness to the gospel aspect. In other words, you're talking about a child in this home who is governed by a father who has led them to the place where they developed their own faith and then guess what they did? They obeyed the gospel. They obeyed the gospel. So this, this child in this home under the authority and rule of this man has been so influenced by the example that that father led in that home that they obeyed the gospel. Does that make sense? I rule this home. I've led you this way. I didn't force you to do it. I led you by my example. You came to that conclusion yourself. You have become faithful. And when I look at you, I'm convinced of that conversion in you because what do I see? I see that you're not a person of excess. I see that you're not insubordinate. You're not turning back. It's not like you feel like you were forced to do it. There is sincerity in your heart. Now, he talks further about the specific qualification of that child in terms of their subjection and their reverence, obedience and respect. Still kind of falls within that same line. And then there's this text from Luke chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. Will you read that very quickly? And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Okay, question. Okay, we're setting this up. How did the good Samaritan take care of the beaten up Jew he found in the ditch? How did he take care of him? Bound up his wounds, so he took care of the immediate situation. Found him a place to say. In fact, the rest of the story is, if you need any more, when I come back through here, I'll pay for that too. In other words, here is somebody who cared enough even about a stranger, a total stranger, not just a total stranger, but somebody that they probably would have concluded once they get better, they're still going to hate Samaritans, but I care enough about this person. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to take care of them no matter what. Yes? Okay. So you're in the home, you've got your children, they need stuff. You take care of your children what? I'm hoping to hear certain words. No matter what. I'm going to sacrifice if I need to, to care for my family. Yes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Okay. This text says that what you see in that home ought to be a good reflection, ought to be a good indicator of the kind of man that he will be when he takes those things and applies them to the church. So I look at how he deals with his children. Now, invariably, people are going to ask, what children? How old are these children? Are we talking about children that have left the home and have gone on? What if, what if my child obeys the gospel while they're at home? Then they become adults, they get married, they go off, they leave the church. Does that disqualify a person? What does this text say? This text says that we're looking at the place over which he has authority. Yes? That's our word right here, rules. Where does he preside? Where does he govern? Where is he the superintendent? You said over his household. Household wasn't just the children. It's the people over whom he has what? Control or authority. 
Okay, so uh, here's, a, here's an interesting scenario. We had, had, not now, but we had a son. He went through college. He graduated from college. He started working. He still lived with us in our home. Is he under my authority? Yes, he is. And as long as he is under my authority in my home, what should we see in him? The influence of his father who has authority over him. I had a daughter, Casey, who got married to Kyle. You've heard that story thousands of times. The grandbabies, do I need to show you a picture of my grandbabies? Okay, so at the wedding, well, actually, I did the wedding, so it was a little bit complicated, but I asked, who gives this woman to be married to this man? You know what the typical answer is? Her mother and I. The father is saying in that moment, I am in, in the presence of all of these witnesses doing what? Taking the authority that I have over her and I am giving it to, I'm giving it to him. I'm giving it to him. Question, who does the wife submit to? Her father? No. Wife submits to her husband. Please, no. You, no. If Casey calls and says, Dad, you need to tell Kyle something, I'm going to say, no, you need to tell Kyle something. I'm not, I have no authority over him. I have no authority over you. What about my son? You know, my son Troy got married. Also got baby pictures. You want to see him? Uh, Troy got married to Whitney. Uh, when they got married to, eh, special now, that's my son. I still have authority over my son? Yes or no? No, I do not. Because the scripture says in three different places that a man is to what? Leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they become one flesh. Question, is my son still under my authority? No, he is not. So is it fair for you to look at me in what my adult children are doing in their lives and make a determination about how I govern? The answer would be no. What would I look at? My household. My household is made up of my wife, my servants, uh, my kitty cats. Uh, what, no, please don't check out the kitty cat. Uh, but you get, you get the idea what it is I have authority over. How did I demonstrate my authority? It seems to me that when that has been established, that has been satisfied. For instance, you've got a man that's, I don't know, 70 years old and wants to uh, put his name in the hat for leadership in the congregation. Well, one thing that we're going to need to know is what? Among many other things. How does he rule his household? Uh, primarily what I would want to know, and, and I know from Titus that it's not just about the domicile, it's also a requirement that he have believing children. I want to know, how did that take place? Did they obey the gospel when they were under his oversight? Or did they obey the gospel later when they got out from under his oversight? Uh, when, when they were in the home, what, what was that setting? Because that will qualify a person in terms of his authority in that setting, yes? Okay, apparently it's time to stop, so we're going to stop right there. Thank you for your attention. Let's have a prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. <laughs> Father, thank you for a great day today. Thank you for the blessings of our fellowship and being together here. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless us now as we leave this place and keep us safe. And if it's your will, uh, bless us with many opportunities to demonstrate our love for you and to win a soul for you tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.